Welcome to the Holistic Psychiatry Podcast. I'm Courtney Snyder, a physician and holistic adult and child psychiatrist. In this episode, I'll be talking about angry outbursts. I'll discuss the responsibility to get help, enabling, and biochemical drivers. Whether it's an older child with frequent tantrums, a teen, or an adult who easily loses their temper, I think of angry outbursts as a symptom. While there may be triggers, someone's inability to regulate their emotions, in my experience, suggest a biochemical and or inflammatory driver. In this newsletter or podcast episode, I'll discuss the important difference between angry outbursts and other symptoms, the impact on the neurophysiology of others, reasons this behavior may be enabled by others, associated diagnoses, the four most common underlying physiologic drivers that I see in my practice, and what the presence or absence of remorse can tell us about underlying root causes. Here are my 10 thoughts. Number one, responsibility. Though I think of angry outbursts as I would any other symptom, depressed mood, anxiety, or inattention, these more directly affect others. One doesn't have to be touched, screamed at, or have their property damaged to be impacted. This means there's an additional level of responsibility to seek help for those who have problems managing their anger or for parents in the case of a child. There is not one way to address this symptom. I will share how I approach this from a holistic and functional root cause perspective. While such approaches can be impactful and why I use them, they are not an appropriate starting point for someone who is highly unstable or a danger to themselves or others. In such cases, an immediate assessment through emergency room is indicated and medications would be warranted. Number two, impacts. The consequences of angry outbursts extend beyond embarrassment, damaged relationships, removal from school, loss of employment, or in extreme cases, legal consequences. Those who are the recipient of the rage, or even those witnessing an episode of rage, may be momentarily unsettled, or they may be triggered given their own past experiences, or even traumatized. The severity, frequency, and how threatening the episode will determine the impact on others' neurophysiology, as does the others' temperaments. Even having to walk on eggshells because of the threat of someone losing their temper reinforces the neuronal connections around vigilance. We have different temperaments. One person may feel a football player losing his temper with a coach is not a big deal. Others will feel it's a big deal. This week, I heard a sports analyst insisting loudly that Travis Kelsey's behavior at the Super Bowl was appropriate. He repeatedly interrupted his two colleagues who felt the behavior was inappropriate. Even if the coach who was bumped, screamed, and cussed at didn't have a problem with it, he wasn't the only person impacted. There were families with children watching. They saw a man who, with his girlfriend, are seen as royalty in the U.S., model aggressive and out-of-control behavior, and get a big trophy and a big kiss by the most culturally influential woman at the moment. Message sent, you too can act like that and be rewarded. Number three, enabling. Generally speaking, enabling means giving somebody the ability to do something. In this case, it means giving someone the ability to continue to have angry outbursts and not get help. 
There are many reasons someone may enable this behavior. They may fear the person. It may be in their interest, financial or otherwise, to cater to the person who has tantrums. They may be so focused on the details of why the person got angry that they lose sight of the bigger picture and the harm being done to that person and those around them. Maybe they identify as someone who is good at helping others, and they think they can fix the person or love them out of the behavior. How adults respond to another adult's angry outbursts often speaks to what was normalized in the household they grew up in. Maybe they had a parent who couldn't or chose not to control their temper or other problematic behavior. And maybe they had another parent who normalized the behavior or joked about it or suggested there was good reason for it. This can be especially confusing for children who are looking to the seemingly reasonable parent to make sense of things. This early experience left unexamined can contribute to future adults who express their anger inappropriately and to future adults who normalize their partner, boss, employee, or even child's outbursts. Often people don't see or are in denial about the leverage they have to help the person get help. An example of using one's leverage could be when a coach or owner of a football team, in this case, who has a player that has tantrums, explain to the player that if they want to play, they need to get help. Diagnoses. Number four. In my practice, diagnoses become less important than the behavior and what is causing it. Intermittent explosive disorder is a diagnosis more often given to adults to describe an inability to control sudden bursts of anger in the form of arguments, tantrums, or even violence. Disruptive mood Dysregulation disorder, which is diagnosed in children, similarly involves recurrent tantrums, but in this case, there needs to be an irritable and angry mood between those outbursts. For both diagnoses, there are a range of medications, beta blockers, antidepressants, mood stabilizers, stimulants, that can be used. The form of therapy most often used is cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. Number five, associated diagnoses. First, ADHD. Some would consider ADHD a disorder of self-regulation involving not just behavior and attention, as the formal diagnosis includes, but also emotion. Studies reflect that most, though not all, children and adults with ADHD have problems with emotional dysregulation. I'll explain why biochemically this makes sense bipolar disorder. This condition is marked by extreme mood swings, which include mania, emotional highs, and depression. Tantrums are not necessarily part of this diagnosis. However, when someone is manic, there can be a mix of impulsivity and mood dysregulation that could result in angry outbursts. When someone is diagnosed with intermittent explosive disorder, they are not necessarily having other symptoms between those outbursts. Oppositional Defiant Disorder This involves a pattern of negative, hostile, and defiant behavior and can include excessive arguing, annoying, and pushing buttons. This is a diagnosis given to children. Angry outbursts can be part of this, but again, not in isolation. Overwhelmingly, most children diagnosed with ODD will be under-methylated, 
have it, meaning they have a methylfolate imbalance. Undermethylation could also contribute to one becoming angry if they are not getting their own way or winning. The fuel to the explosion, however, is more likely number six, high copper. This is the first thing that I think of when an adult or child has angry outbursts. High copper appears to be a common driver of ADHD, which again is not uncommon in those who do have angry outbursts. Hyperactivity, inattention, insomnia, or high anxiety can also be associated with high copper or a copper-zinc imbalance. The Walsh Research Institute found that 68% of adults and children diagnosed with ADHD have a copper-zinc imbalance, meaning that the copper is relatively high in relation to the zinc. Bringing down copper is not difficult with a specific nutrient protocol. Now, in the newsletter that I'm reading from, essentially, I do provide links that go into more depth, for example, about high copper and about undermethylation that I mentioned with ODD. Number seven, high pyroles. This is the second thing I think about. It can occur with high copper. Here, I would expect the person to have low stress tolerance, mood swings, and more difficulty in settings where there is overstimulation. Hypyrols result in deficiencies of zinc, B6, and magnesium. Someone could have hypyrols and thus low zinc, leading to high copper. Zinc keeps copper in check. This, too, can be addressed using a nutrient protocol. Number eight, mast cell activation. Though mast cells are not in the brain, when triggered, and stress is one of the things that can trigger them, they communicate with inflammatory cells in the brain. If these cells in the brain have been primed by things like head trauma, toxicity, or emotional trauma, then when another insult comes along, which could be a moment of frustration, an illness, another physical or emotional trauma, this inflammatory process can more easily and rapidly occur. In some ways, angry outbursts are not unlike a panic attack in that they appear to involve interactions between our autonomic nervous system, our hormonal stress response, and these inflammatory cells, which are part of our immune system. In combination with cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, I find that interventions that target the autonomic nervous system, so accessing the vagus nerve to take the body out of fight or flight, and thereby lowering the hormonal stress response, can be helpful. EMDR, somatic-based therapies, limbic system retraining, can also be helpful here as can interventions to stabilize mast cells, which again I will link to. Number nine, mold toxicity. This is a surprisingly common driver of mast cell activation, an increased fight-or-flight response, high pyrroles, and even copper. Mold toxicity is an internal threat that already has the body closer to that fight-or-flight response. A little more threat or frustration for some could lead to angry outbursts, for others panic attacks, high anxiety, and still others a checking out. When I see families that have more than one family member having problems with angry outbursts, 
I think of genetics and modeling this way of managing anger, I also think about a shared environmental exposure to water damage. A shared exposure to very high electromagnetic fields in a family, such as if they're getting a high exposure in their home, could also cause this. Number 10, remorse. Not everyone is remorseful after having an angry outburst. When someone does show remorse, it is more likely that they will have high copper. I'm not sure why this tends to be the case, but relative to the other three factors I mentioned, high copper does not lower serotonin activity. If a child is extremely oppositional, or if adult is highly competitive, very strong-willed, and unable to see the big picture, but rather only the details of what they are angry about, they are less likely to show remorse, and more likely they will be undermethylated. Obviously, remorse can impact how motivated someone will be to seek or want help. If you or someone in your life has problems controlling anger, I hope something here helps you identify your next best steps in getting help. If you're interested in receiving these newsletters or podcast episodes directly into your mailbox each week, please consider subscribing at CourtneySnyderMD.com or on Substack. Until next time, take care.